Great coaches ask great questions. Days at work are the days when the light bulb goes on for somebody else. Hello and welcome to On It Not In It interview series. I'm your host, Todd Eppert, and I am joined by Stephen Letourneau, who is the founder and chief branding officer at Better For You Wellness. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. Would you like to kick us off with a little brief uh, description of your background and what you guys do and what you do? Uh, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having us um, or having me. You know, Better For You Wellness is a plant-based, scientifically researched, sustainably sourced company. And as I was sort of traversing the space between um, luxury retail, politics, and consumer packaged goods, really started looking at this overall global footprint that we were leaving um, and this sort of unmet market need for consumers when we started to experience this elevation of desire for quality luxury goods and premium offerings that we're still leaving the planet better. So really, I think I've been mostly storytelling um, my entire career, whether I said, like I said, whether it was politics or luxury retail. Um, and even when it comes down to creating consumer packaged goods, we're really figuring out what are the pieces that are missing to make our lives that much better? And is it an actual product or an experience? And then create the stories around that. So after a number of years of kind of doing some different things with some other retailers, was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to start creating brands and then mentoring other brands to then acquire and help elevate and really sort of take that overall responsibility of getting our teams to do better and be better um, and provide better goods. So that's where we're at today. Uh, that's great to hear. Thank you. So you mentioned that you've uh, you've got a few businesses, you've got a couple different things going on. Uh, but I'm interested to find out, like, was there one spark that said, and it sounds like maybe it was environmental or impact on the planet or whatever it was. Was there a spark that said, I need to do something on my own, be a founder, start my own business? What was that? Really, we were running a fund um, primarily in the cannabis space that was tra uh, translating or elevating into luxury wellness. And I kept looking at all of this amazing data that was really micro-targeting this completely underserved customer. And I was going to meeting after meeting where people were saying, hey, we need to create um, travel-focused luxury wellness brands that hit these major points. And then they would present their product to us or their idea. And it didn't touch any of the points. And I kept saying, we're seeing this same data and empirical information over and over again. And nobody's just pulling the trigger to do it. And so at that point, I said, you know what? I think we, I'm fortunate enough to be in the seat that I can start creating brands that check off this list and, and you know, put out a, a better quality product. Awesome. That's it. I love that because, uh, you know, there's an old saying that says uh, like every problem in the world is solved by the entrepreneur that creates the business to solve that problem. So that's, it sounds like exactly what you saw was this problem, this empirical data challenge after challenge and nobody stepping into this space to really fix the problem. So I love that. So, um, so, okay, you started, you've done a few things, you got a lot of stuff going on, but uh, as you're starting up and going through your journey, what are some common misconceptions about running a business and being part of a found a starting business? Would you share with our audience? You know, I've been fortunate enough to kind of travel the globe and speak about what's happening in this world. And specifically, I always, whenever I do an event, we'll take time after to talk to young entrepreneurs. The biggest misconception I see is that you have to pour 
all of your everything into every moment of your business. So we see time and time again, entrepreneurs who don't secure their oxygen masks, which means they don't pay themselves. They don't track the money they're not paying themselves. And they're so busy trying to survive the day to day that there's no sort of long-term planning. So they are trapped just having their business manage them instead of taking a step back and saying, hey, this is where I want to be. This is how I'm going to get there. There are so many well-meaning investors, friends, um, people who are giving this constant advice to entrepreneurs. It's not helpful. If you are not in this market, you are not in this industry, you do not have this experience, then I do not have the time for your opinion. So getting young entrepreneurs to really take a breath plan for the future and take care of themselves first um, is really what I see kind of this huge opportunity. And I, I see it time and time again, where it was literally just talking to a fintech company earlier this morning. And of course, the first question I asked the entrepreneur is, you know, what's your salary? Well, I'm not taking one, of course. And I'm like, not of course. How, how do you pay your bill? So you can't be the best for your business because you don't know if you're going to make your mortgage payment. You can't be running a fintech software company, pitching for a $10 million investment, and then have to pause because you're driving for Uber. So, you know, I, I think we as a, a business community need to do a better job of helping young entrepreneurs um, create a much more solid foundation um, to really set them up to be successful. And, and hopefully if this culture shift happens, we'll stop seeing, you know, 90% of businesses fail within the first year. Yeah, and that is the fact, and that's a sad fact that happens, right? And I think you're 100% right. People don't count the costs. They don't plan for it. Uh, they jump in, and then they realize after a year, wow, I've I've spent so much money, and I haven't even taken a salary, and now I don't, what am I going to do now? So great point. I love that, Stephen. Thank you. Um, so uh, you mentioned already why you founded your business, because you saw the need. Well, we live in a constantly evolving world, constantly evolving business landscape, how do you stay adaptable and open to change in your organization? And how do you build it in from the beginning? Really, I'm I'm naturally curious by nature. I think some of the best founders always are. So I'm really living in the world that I'm inhabiting and the business services that I'm providing are, are really a lot of personal needs or things. So I think I'm fortunate that I'm getting this great 360 view from both what we're producing and what's out there. You know, and I think being open, I am very quick to leave my ego at the door and definitely making sure that I'm really listening um, to what other people are doing in the space, uh, how the space itself is growing. And then I'm always talking to people within the service industry. They're the first, first really line of defense when it comes to what's happening in luxury wellness. So talking to an esthetician or a masseuse or the person running the hotel at the front desk and really listening to what they're hearing because um, they're hearing every possible complaint before our consumers have been able to to comment on social media about what they don't like about what we're doing. So it it really forces us to be you know adaptable. And really, I was fortunate that I came up through under some great leaders who really taught me to kind of fail fast and learn faster. So you know we really kind of teach the team here. I'd much rather you make a mistake going 100 miles an hour than you miss out on 20 opportunities because you're paralyzed with fear. Oh, wow. That is a, that's tremendous. So you give the people the freedom in your business to run really hard. And if you make a mistake, that's okay. Pick yourself, get up off the canvas, get back to work. We're going to go back at it the next day, but learn from what the mistake you've made is kind of the things I heard you say there. Absolutely. Like I said, fail fast, learn faster. Right. Right. 
So again, I was looking a little bit about your brand and looking at your website a little bit um, and just kind of understanding a little bit. Uh, and if I read it right, it's all plant-based, of course, starting with the skincare first, and then you're going to expand from there. And there's some other things. So um, just to, just that from the website, can you offer a glimpse into the future plans and goals that you have for your business? Yeah, you know, we've been um, within the skincare vertical, we've been growing and expanding. We are getting ready to announce the signing of a couple of new LOIs. We also have some brands that are getting ready to launch in spring and fall of next year. So watching that whole category sort of continue to grow um, and allow us to test our hypothesis is, is really exciting. And then uh, in May of this year, we were able to launch our first foray into the beverage space. So we launched a, a travel-inspired curated coffee collection. Um, and, you know, it was really exciting. I, it was nice enough to uh, put my name on something. So, you know, our expectation for the quality and uh, craftsmanship that goes behind our, our curated coffee collection really meant a lot more, I think, um, than some of the other opportunities I've had. And we were having a meeting recently, and I think my staff's tired of hearing this, but I, I heard somebody make a comment about some holiday gift wrapping they were looking at, and they were like, it's not good enough, and that's got Stephen's name on it. And I was like, good. And I, I'm sure that I have said that a thousand times in the past two years. We were able to recently launch coffee in Kroger. Um, our coffee is carried at a couple of five diamond resorts throughout the U.S. and we're getting ready to be global. So, you know, watching that foray into food and beverage allows kind of the coffee collection, there'll be tea and bottled water or a seltzer water coming out relatively soon. Um, we'll have pet treats and then ingestible wellness. So dietary supplements all within the next 24 to 36 months. Wow, that is a lot to take on. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about before I started pushing the record button, you have a lot of stuff going on. And um, so a lot of different business entities all under the umbrella of Better For You Wellness, uh, which is great. And I, I look forward to hearing and seeing that. I mean, um, even though I'm quote unquote kind of an old guy, the wellness thing had bit me a long time ago. I've been a big fan of, you know, the, the just the, the physical, the chiropractic and the, the, the stuff like that, acupuncture things. But the, the supplements and the things that make us well, the things to take to make our digestion go well and things like that is fantastic that you're doing it. And I love the fact that it's all plant-based, sustainable. Uh, those are great words to be hearing in a new business that's growing like your business is growing. So fantastic. So all of that said, when you talk about all of those additions and all those things coming, what kind of challenges do you see that are going to get in the way of you achieving those some of those goals? You know, when we're looking at this sort of rapid expansion of growth, it's really being able to kind of keep that laser focus on what the quality of each of the products is. When you're over, as I'm overseeing multiple brands in the skincare vertical, you know, we'll work on sort of a new, a really cool new ingredient or something coming out from molecular skincare. And while it'll have an easy application across all the brands, each of the brands have their own DNA and, and tell a unique story and have a different point of view. So making sure that those don't get muddled is sort of something I'm hyper-conscious of. I had worked really hard on um, with a chemist on a new product for a different brand and kind of where we started, I thought it was going to be really perfect for Better Suds, which is our soap company. And as we're kind of moving down the line, all of a sudden, we, it just sort of evolved into this new product. And I was like, oh, this is clearly going to go over <laughs> to our luxury skincare line. And and I think for some of the team members, that becomes hard because it starts to feel like I'm a parent and I'm picking a favorite. So really sort of allowing those things to happen. And, and again, as I said, leaving my ego out the door by saying, hey, it's okay. I, this We may have started here, but we've evolved and you know, 
this product's going to translate over there. Yeah. So you you mentioned your team a lot uh, several times during the conversation. Um, so you know, and it sounds like you do a, you, you've led them well. You you, you train them and and and, can, and you encourage them to fail fast, learn from the experiences like we talked about earlier. Uh, it sounds like they're speaking your language. That doesn't sound like Steven. It's got his name on it. We don't want to do that. They're starting to think like owners as well. So how do you foster that? And not only that, but how do you hire for it? What are you looking for when you're bringing people onto your team? You know, start when I'm looking for someone who's curious and someone who's worked, um, which 15 years ago wouldn't have been an issue. The number of amazing resumes we get nowadays that have double advanced degrees and our smart kids are going to the best schools. I'm looking at their actual work and we're kind of seeing this huge gap in people who had a job. So, you know, I'm one of five kids. I grew up having like a paper route, mowing lawns, you know, working uh, as a waiter, really kind of hustling all the time. My parents were both very community active, so involved in unions. And so we were constantly on the move doing something. On, on top of that, we played sports and, and traveled. So when I look at these resumes or start doing these interviews and someone's kind of never left anywhere. Um, so they've, they've never traveled. They're living four blocks down from where they grew up. You know, it starts to make me wonder, was that, you know, just lack of opportunity? We don't all have the opportunity to do these things. Are you curious to go more? We always ask our team members looking to travel. You know, we have um, remote work as an opportunity here at the company. So where would they go spend a month? If we cover the cost of an Airbnb, what country would you go to? And, you know, really quickly, we start to see the people who are kind of hungry and curious about what's happening in the outside world, those who are seeking different opinions than their own. That's really where we start. And then really take the time to mentor. So making sure that we're partnering different types of thinkers together within the same pod within a work group. Um, and then being diligent. We've had team members be with us through various stages of the company for anywhere for 10 to 15 years. We've seen team members who've gotten stagnant that we've been fortunate enough to be able to help them transition to go outside our four walls to get some key learnings they needed and to come back. I think a lot of times as business owners, we think I'm putting all this all this time, energy and money into somebody and they need to be here forever. And, and we just don't have that as a, a culture anymore. You know, two to three years is kind of longevity with a lot of companies. So making sure that we've created a pathway for success to, to help you get to where you're going. And if that's not with us, let's be honest. We do a lot of monthly touch bases to say, this is the job today. Is it what you want? We're evolving constantly. And, and what you signed up for 12 months ago isn't what you're doing today. And you, you might not like that. You know, we just helped a team member who'd been with us for 15 years. They recently had a kid and they were like, um, I don't want the grind. I need a Monday through Friday, nine to five, whatever. And I said, Hey, you know, we are, we want that for you too. It is, it is clear that this is not where your priorities are and they don't have to be. Uh, we have a really good culture of work-life balance. So, you know, I think because we have had open conversations since they were hired, you know, after 15 years, it was really easy for them to just kind of sit down and say, I think I need to do something different. And can you help me? And being willing to help them. We had another team member who'd been with us for 10 years who really needed some just more corporate experience. And so they recently moved over into financial insurance software, yeah, financial insurance software company. So now they're part of a, a 10,000 member organization. They're understanding how it is to be kind of a cog in that machine. So I think 
Other team members seeing people leave and then being welcomed back um, allows them to sort of explore other opportunities that will help them grow either for us or just for themselves personally. Wow. So that was a packed, packed answer. I really appreciate all the details there. So what I heard you say, summarizing a little bit, was uh, Carnegie said it a long time ago, but a lot of famous people have said it afterwards. It's higher for attitudes and behaviors, not skills and knowledge, right? You can always teach the skills and knowledge. They can always go learn it afterwards, but you got to hire that hardworking spirit, that continuous learner, that the, the innovator kind of spirit that you're looking for for your business. And then the other thing I loved hearing was this idea of, hey, if we help our people be their best while they're with us, we may lose them because they they may have to go be better somewhere else. There might we, we may not have a, the right opportunity for them. And that's OK. Right. In this world, we live in two to three years, five years is a long time in a career. And uh, so we got to get the most out of them that we can this few short years. So well done as a leader. I, I love hearing that from your business. So, okay, so one final question, if you can go back to kind of the beginnings and um, if you had to do it all over again, or if you knew something then that you know now, uh, what advice would you offer to aspiring entrepreneurs who are just starting their journey or facing challenges in their business right now as they're getting started? You know, when I first started, I was really focused on everything has to be this absolute perfect moment in this way. I had worked for a major corporation where the color of your thumbtacks had to be black. You had to use a blue highlighter always unless it, unless it was this one type of document and then it was green. It was so regimented. And on the one hand, there's a huge comfort because you don't have to guess how to do your job. And that really frees your time up. On the other hand, I had spent a couple of years with this company. So when I was kind of starting to do things on my own, it's how I was trained. It's how I did everything. And when people didn't naturally do it, you know, when I was younger, I felt like you're really trying to buck the system or, you know, you're questioning my authority or you don't believe in the project. And it was like, it's just, it's not that big a deal. Somebody wanted to use a pink highlighter. So really, I wish I could go back and tell myself like, you know, is it a blue, we talk a lot in the company. Is this a blue lighter, blue highlighter, yellow highlighter thing? As in you're personally focused on thing or does it change the impact to our business? And I wasted too much time and too much of other people's time on things that didn't impact the business. They were just things that I held on to because there were so many other moving parts that I couldn't control that mm -hmm. I thought, well, if I, if I hold on to these things, then it will make me, it did nothing. It did nothing. It definitely cost me some great employees. It cost me some great business growth. Um, you know, and then kind of reaching out to those people to be like, wow, I was a really terrible leader for about three years. Um, I apologize to everybody during that time period. I wasn't getting the mentorship or information I needed. So I made that rookie mistake and read every possible book out there and then applied all those 50 different modalities you know, my team didn't know who they were getting from day one day to the next. And then kind of, I just had a very frank conversation with my mom of all people. And she was just like, what are you doing? And what does it matter? She's like, who cares? And I thought, oh, I never once thought to say, who cares? And does this make a difference? Is it making my people better? Is it making me better? Is it impacting our customers, our business? If it's not doing any of those things, then why are we talking about it? Why is it taking up one moment of our 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 mental space. I love that. So major in the important stuff, right? If it's not 
hindering your progress moving forward is it really that big a deal i love i love your book who cares exactly <laughs> great. a lot That's of our fantastic. conversations so so we all need someone in our lives that looks at us and says who really cares at times right is it really you know, making a difference we also need that person to come sit down with us and say as an entrepreneur your business is important to you it's not more important than your friends or family or your relationships or how you conduct yourself as a person. If you miss every birthday party, if you don't go to weddings, if you don't ask people about themselves, if your 100% of your inner monologue and, and outer dialogue is about your business, you're not a whole person and you're going to kill those relationships that you desperately will need when times get tough. So take a breath, take someone out, go to dinner, go to the wedding, Ask people about themselves. Give yourself the goal of not talking about your business for 24 hours over the course of a week. And it, it sounds easy to do, but it's not. When you're so in it and every single decision feels like it's so important, it's hard to realize, you know, this person I'm meeting at this industry event doesn't care about my business. Um, you know, there's the old saying, nobody cares about your baby pictures. They just want to show you theirs. And as we're at events or meeting different people, you know, we're always quick to ask people about themselves. Tell me more about you. Tell me more about you. And it really lets us just let go of that. And having that mental break from business allows you to kind of come back on Monday morning and say, all right, I'm refreshed. I didn't spend all weekend talking about um, average order value or uh, customer acquisition costs or any of those things that we care about Monday through Friday. And I think it's just, we have to get business culture, especially these young kids who are between 25 and 35, who are, are doing great things as young entrepreneurs. They're so burnt out. They need their business to be acquired or it fails. Yeah. Excellent. Well, well hey, Stephen, I really want to thank you for all the time today. Uh, great wisdom. Great sharing. Love hearing your journey. Love hearing all about your businesses. And it sounds like you've been very successful and you've got a really strong uh, tailwind behind your business is what I hear and everything that's going on. So, again, we've been speaking to uh, Stephen Letourneau, uh, the founder and chief branding officer at Better For You Wellness. And uh, thank you very much, Stephen, for being here. And to everyone watching, I look forward to seeing you in our next episode. So thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Todd.